had great vision from the Lord, and uh, so thank you, thank you. Um, not only is it Father's Day, but uh, it is a hillside tradition to have Dads and Grads Day as, as summer is rolling in, and most of the, the kids and young adults are getting out of school for summer. Uh, we just want to honor some graduates, uh, and, and, and the way we do that here at Hillside, we have gifts uh, that we give our graduates, and so if we have in the room any young people graduating from either fifth grade up into middle school or from middle school up into high school? Do we have any new middle school graduates in the house? If you are a middle school graduate, stand up. We would love to applaud you, and we have a, and we have a gift for you that we'd love to give you. Awesome. Hey, let's give a hand over here. Come see me after service. I'm going to be standing right up here, and we have a, a devotional book that we'd love to get you. Uh, do we have any college grads in the house? Anyone graduate college? Any college grads? All right, all right. Hey, there we go. There we go. Stand up, stand up. Come on. There we go. Logan and Marnie, they're getting married pretty soon. And uh, pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Proud of you guys. Uh, and then do we have any high school graduates in the house? hey Awesome. Well, Brendan, come on up here. We have about eight high school grads. You're the only one who's here today. So uh, everyone, all eyes on you. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a gift for you over here. I have to dig through all these. Got some, it is Christmas. It is. All right. Well, I want to present you with this Bible. Um, and uh, I want to pray for you. And we're going to pray for all the other grads at the same time. Um, but I'm going to let you know, and you can let the other grads know if you want to. Uh, but the Bible I use every day. The Bible I used to preach from and to study from is a Bible I got eight years ago when I graduated high school, and uh, it's got a lot of miles on it. Uh, so use that Bible every day, and I guarantee you if you continue to seek God first and read his word, he's going to bless everything you do. Amen? Amen, congregation? Well, let's extend a hand forward to Brandon. He's going to stand in proxy for all our grads, and we're going to pray for grads uh, right now. So dear God, we just thank you so much, uh, God, for this milestone, for this accomplishment. Uh, God, we thank you for Brendan and, and, and all the other grads here that we have at Hillside. Uh, God, I just pray that um, this would be like an Ebenezer Stone, God, that they would raise an Ebenezer Stone. From, from this far, God, you have brought them. And God, they are looking forward to a future with you. Uh, God, and, and, and the doors are wide open and the opportunities are endless. So God, I just pray for Brendan, uh, God, that as he seeks you first, uh, God, as he studies your word, uh, God, that you would continually bless him and open doors for him. God, and we, we pray that prayer of blessing over all the grads here at Hillside, whether it's a grad from elementary school or a grad from middle school, from high school, from college. God, no matter what it is that we are graduating from, God, we want to put you first in everything. And God, we just pray your blessing, your blessing, you order the footsteps of the righteous. And so, God, we pray that you would make straight the path. And God, we just pray all these things in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give it up one more time. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Transition to the upper gym. Gym, gym, gym. Uh, Father's Day. That's fun. I, uh, I hope all of you are taking good care of your dads today. That's uh, dads are they are un unsung. I don't know if they're unsung heroes. That might be like self appreciation music to you, right? But <laughs> they are. Uh, it's a it's a unique 
responsibility that God has given to all men uh, that are fathers. Well, we'll get to a Father's Day message in a few moments. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to our text for our Father's Day message. Now, it's kind of a funny Father's Day platform to be coming from. If you remember just a few weeks ago for Mother's Day, in our normal study through the Word of God in the book of Revelation, we were at Revelation chapter 17, and it was the great harlot riding upon the red beast. Not exactly the Mother's Day text that you would be looking for. Well, today uh, we are in Revelation chapter 20, which for Father's Day, the binding of Satan for a thousand years. So that's, uh, again, not necessarily a normal Father's Day text. Uh, But while you're turning in your Bibles, a couple of things that are forthcoming. We have a couple of opportunities to be serving. B-Town Kids began yesterday in two locations, and in really three short weeks right here, July 2nd, we'll be starting our B-Town Kids uh, right behind me, reaching and loving on kids in our community, loving on families. And uh, Marshall and Leslie, I see you in here. Happy Father's Day to you. You have a son serving in the military as well, so we are praying for you and with you. Uh, Our men's uh, opportunity, we've got seven churches uh, involved in a project over at Teen Challenge on August, or excuse me, on July 9th, and uh, we would like all of our men, that will be our men's breakfast. There is no men's breakfast on July 2nd. It's a holiday weekend, and so no men's breakfast on July 2nd. We're moving it to the 9th. It will be at Teen Challenge. And we will be doing a project there, so very, very exciting. Uh, and then there's a handful of other things. One specifically that I should be mentioning is we have our mission, our first mission trip in 2017. Uh, it will be March 10th, excuse me, March 17th through the 27th. And we are headed down to Chile. We'll be in the city of Concepcion, and we will be in the fishing village of Arauco. It's with me real quick, Arauco, and uh, we will be working with our missionaries, Rick and Laurel Ellis, some of the finest folks uh, that I know. They're just excellent missionaries, loving on people and loving on their communities, and we are going there to be an encouragement. We're going there to do outreach. There is an information meeting next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning in the library. If you're interested in that mission, want to know more about that mission, Please come 9 a.m. next Sunday morning, and we'll meet in the library, and we'll go over those details. All right. Yesterday, we had many of our church family at the wedding of David and Samantha Owings, and uh, we got them all married off. That was exciting. Uh, That was good, good, and uh, very exciting. And I uh, saw a few moments ago a couple graduate stands that graduated from OSU, and so uh, super excited that uh, Logan and Marnie will be being married in a very short while, but even shorter while than that, uh, Dan and Mackenzie are getting married next Saturday. Dan and Mackenzie, will you guys stand up? Come on. This is very exciting. Yeah. The long-awaited day. Hallelujah. Yes. Well, we bless you and uh, pray that this week will be a week of finishing all those necessary preps. All right, well, Father's Day, (laughs) Revelation chapter 20. Now, I titled titled today's message, 
our Father's Day. Our Father's Day. Our Father in Heaven has a day. In fact, Jesus declared in relationship to the second advent, His second advent, He said, No man knows the day or the hour, not even the Son, but the Father. The Father only. There's a day that has been established by the Father. And that day is in the future. And so we are looking at this future event in Revelation chapter 20. And so today's message is titled, Our Father's Day. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, says this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, both a challenge as well as a caution, three perspectives really on our Father's Day. And so, God, we ask your blessing in your anointing, in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Three vantage points in relationship to the day of the Lord, or what I will title, again, our Father's Day. Three vantage points. And I want to look at the text very specifically because this event is forthcoming. It's a forthcoming event where Satan will be bound. He will be bound. Now, I think it's very natural for us. I think we are raised oftentimes as young people. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church like I didn't grow up in the church. And I had a very healthy fear of Satan and demonic forces. Hollywood has conditioned our minds. If you're one who kind of grew up watching movies or even being terrified by commercials or movies that were somehow delving into
into the supernatural realm. Scary stuff. And I remember as a young person being terrified. I remember as a kid going to the local drive-in theater, me and my buddies, and we would sneak in. We There was a kind of a break in the fence, and we would crawl under the fence, and we would get to the closest pole and pull the speaker down on the ground, turn the speaker on, and listen at the drive-in theater. In the drive-in theaters, they played all the scary movies. And I remember going and seeing scary movies, and I would go home, and I couldn't sleep. I would lay in my bed, and I would just be terrified, scared. Sometimes we get in our minds that somehow Satan is Jesus' equal just on the other side. That somehow he has same powers. It's not the case. It's not the case at all. Sometimes we get this idea that the armies of God are needed to put things at bay. I love this portion of the text. Verse 1 says, Then I saw an angel. One angel. One angel. We're not told that this is Michael the archangel. We're not told that this is Gabriel. We're not told who this angel is. It's simply an angel. And an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a chain, a great chain, in his hand. Now think about that for a moment. He's holding the chain in one hand, and he's about to nab the nape of the neck with the other hand. So it's one angel with one hand to lay hold. Come on! epic. The day of the Lord is going to begin with the, with the seizing, if you will. There, Jesus is coming again. He is. We saw last week, he's coming on the clouds. He's on a white horse. The saints are coming with him on their white horses. He's going to set his foot and he is going to see Satan bound. He's going to give the declaration. Now, couple of things I think are pretty impressive here. Not only is it one angel, not only is he going to seize the dragon, the devil, the serpent of old with one hand, he's going to bind him with the chain. I love that it says, uh, cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. <laughs> now listen, shut him up on multiple levels. Number one, he sees and he's put into the bottomless pit, and the lid is closed, and the lock is put. He's shut up inside the room. He's bound. He's bound. But think about this, too. Who is the one who has been lying to you since you were born? Who is the one who has been lying to you and to us and to all humanity from the very onset of creation. Satan himself. He is the father of lies. When he speaks his native tongue, he lies. That is his tongue. And he will be shut up. Praise God. Our Heavenly Father's day is what our promise is. 
really begins with the battle of Armageddon when Jesus is going to come and set his foot upon the Mount of Olives, which will conclude with the crushing of a satanic rebellion that will happen in the next, or a little bit later on in this, uh, in this chapter. Um, we'll ultimately see death and Hades cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the false prophet and the Antichrist are, where Satan himself will be ultimately cast. And so, the day of the Lord. There are at least 20 different references in Scripture. There are eight from prophets. There are a number that are referenced by the apostles in the New Testament. Jesus even himself made reference to them. I won't give you all of the references. I will simply tell you that the prophets declare that the day of the Lord will be a dreadful day. It will be a dreadful day. There will be war that is made, and war will be made in righteousness. We're unfamiliar with what that is today. Because wars are not made today in righteousness. But when the Son of God comes, He will wage war in righteousness and with justice. And it will be a swift battle. It will be swift. Now then, the day itself will continue, and we'll look at that in a moment. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. But before we get there, there is an implication that is also given in Scripture. And I, I reference this just because it's a could be. It's a could be. There are those who believe that the very days of creation described in Genesis chapter 1 are actually prophetic. And I reference that to you. You can read and you can do your own study and draw your own conclusions. But if they are prophetic, it would represent man's days are six, and on the seventh day there is a Sabbath day's rest. Psalm 90 in verse 4 reminds us, and Peter in his second letter also quoting Psalm 90 reminds us that one day is as a thousand years, as a thousand years is as one day to the Lord. Now think about that for a moment. Man's days are six, six thousand years. Very intelligent people in earlier years calculated using the births and the genealogies of the Old Testament estimated that the beginning of creation was about 4,000 B.C. 4,000 B.C. And Jesus, born, not actually Anno Domini, it's probably a few years before. There's a little bit of confusion on that, but not to mess up your theology this morning. I won't go there. But all that to say, we're sitting here at about 2016, so we've been around for about six days according to the Lord. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that the day of rest will be like a thousand years or the millennial reign of Christ where he establishes peace on the earth. Now, I think that's very interesting. And there's probably some good theology in there. We won't get dogmatic about it. But it is interesting for me, and I would ask you and encourage you to make note of this, the prophet Hosea in the sixth chapter in the second verse, references a visitation. In fact, turn your Bibles 
because I know you all know right where Hosea is. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Hosea, and I'll see if I can get there rapidly just by thumbing through the pages. So Daniel and then Hosea. Hosea chapter 6 says in verse 2, After two days, he will revive us. Who's the prophet talking to? Talking to the nation Israel. After two days, he will revive us. From Anno Domini to 2000 would be within two days. Israel was revived May of 1948. After two days, he will revive us. That's noteworthy. And he goes on to say, on the third day, he will raise us up. But we will live in his sight. Referencing the advent of Messiah to be lived that third day in his sight. I think that's noteworthy. So, not to get too far down the road, there is a day that is forthcoming, the day of the Lord. There will be a day or a time in that day where there will be vengeance. The word of God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. And that is a day that is forthcoming. That day will be or will last a millennium. And there is theology out there that does not acknowledge the millennial reign of Christ. You can do your own study. I won't give time today to that theology, but I'll simply let you know that there is a theology out there that does not acknowledge the millennial reign of Christ. Revelation chapter 20 references the thousand-year reign five times. That's noteworthy to me. There's also a number of references in the Old Testament that describe an age that the face of the earth has not yet experienced. We know that there was a world that existed... Make sure you understand where I'm going with this. There was a world prior to the Noatic flood that existed. This, this planet was different prior to the flood. Does that make sense? Nod your heads if you understand that. Just Peter tells us in his epistles, the world that then was, was destroyed by water. It was destroyed. So that world was destroyed. Whatever that world was like, we have only conjecture. We have scientific suggestion. I won't even put it in theory necessarily. I believe personally the barometric pressures were very different. There was a canopy, a vapor canopy that encircled. It was a universal temperature. I believe that the land masses may in fact have been in one location. I believe that the dinosaurs and mankind coexisted. And believe me, there are a number of different theologies associated even with the young earth old earth, and all those things. I won't go into that detail this morning because I don't have time. It's a worthwhile conversation. But that world was destroyed. That age. Remember, people lived old then. Adam lived to 962 years. It is interesting that when they were told not to eat the fruit in the Garden of Eden, for in the day that they ate of it, they would what? Surely die. In the day that they eat it, they would surely die. How interesting that 
live over a thousand years. 962. In the day he ate it, he died. Does that make sense? Now, we also know that it has another implication with death and so forth and so on in terms of spiritual nature. But that's noteworthy in, in any way. And so, five times mentioned, those differences, noadic time, men lived older, there were some various scenarios that were going on, dinosaurs perhaps, the barometric pressures. Some have even done scientific tests to discover that bee stings, wasp stings, spider bites, the venom of snakes, actually under certain barometric pressures become beneficial as opposed to harmful. I think that's interesting. Anyway, the time from the Noahic flood to where we are today, man's days are 120 max, so to speak, and we're under certain conditions. It's noteworthy that children don't put their arms in the snake hole and play with vipers and the wolf and the Sheep don't hang out together, and the bear and the cow don't eat straw together, and the lion doesn't eat straw. But the Scripture tells us in Isaiah chapter 11 and in Isaiah chapter 65 that there is a day coming where that will be. In fact, in that same portion in Isaiah chapter 11 and also found in Isaiah 65, it is noted that a man would be considered an infant if he dies at a hundred. Now, we know that's not the eternal realm because there's still death. It even references sinners at that time period, but it's certainly not a time period that we're in right now. So there is an age that is coming, and the Scripture tells us it will be a thousand years, and men will live longer during those days. Now, you and I, we were part of the raptured church, we're going to come back and we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. We'll be here during that time. And it will be very different. You can study some of that out. But he will rule with a rod of iron. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15 told us that. Revelation 12 told us that. Revelation chapter 2 told us that. Most importantly, it's the fulfillment of the scripture from the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 2 and verse 9 reminds us that. The rod of peace will be simply, it will be a rule of peace. The rod of iron will be a rule of peace. It will be peace. And it will be a forced peace. Everybody understand that? For you and I, it'll be peace because that's who we are. We're now with the Prince of Peace. We're part of his kingdom. But for all else on the earth, it will be a time when peace is mandated. Some will embrace it, likely, and there's only, there's not, I mean, remember, a whole lot of folks aren't going to make it through the Great Tribulation. And so whoever's left, that's who's there, and then they're going to be fruitful and multiply again, and the earth will be filled. But it will be peace. It will also be a rule of righteousness. Again, Isaiah chapter 32 would remind us that it will be a rule of righteousness and that a people will be a people of justice. And then I also listed that it would be a rule of rectitude. In other words, it will be a place without deceit. It will be a place without deceit. For the deceiver of the nations is bound, and he is in the bottomless pit. So, our Heavenly Father's day is what our promise really is. It's a day that's forthcoming. 
So today, the second advent of Christ, there will be the battle of Armageddon, and then there will be the ruling and reigning for a thousand years while Satan is bound. That will be a good day. That will be a good, it'll be a good long day, and it'll be a good day. So the day of the Lord encompasses, all that it encompasses is our promise. Now, coming to really, there were three vantage points. That's the first. These next two vantage points, the first one comes with a Father's Day challenge. This is for definitively all the fathers, really all the men in the room, but it's also for all the women. This, it's applicable to all of us. So it comes with a challenge, and then the third vantage point will be a vantage point of caution, and so it will be a caution, really, for all of us in the room. So, our second point would be our Earthly Father's Day. Our Earthly Father's Day. In other words, the days that we're currently living in. We're earthly fathers, and these are the days we're living in. In the midst of these days, what should our pursuit be? There's a challenge in that for all men. What should our pursuit be? Transformation of ourselves. Well, let me back up. The kingdom of God is what it should be. The kingdom of God which is in us, and I use the phrase being incarnational. It's not even a real word. It's a word that someone coined, and so I put a hyphen in it. I don't know if the hyphen's on the board. But being incarnational, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we should be about the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. The kingdom of God is very different than the kingdom and the systems of this world. Very different. In the kingdom of God, remember, the last shall be what? First, and the first shall be last. In the kingdom of God, the greatest will be what? The servant of all. In the systems of this world, it's the climb to the top of the ladder. In the kingdom of God, it's the climb to the bottom of the ladder. Does that make sense? In a matter of speaking, it's not self-deprivation, but it's an opportunity to really raise up the importance of others and be a need meter, so to speak. Does that make sense? And if that's not where you're at, you can begin to see if your pursuit is to be the kingdom of God, and if the kingdom of God is not your pursuit, then repentance is necessary. Can I get an amen? So the transformation, in the kingdom of God, the transformation of ourself, me. You know the me, me, me part? Me, me, me. It's all about moi. That's supposed to change. Remember John the Baptist. This is fascinating to me. Listen, please listen and get the heart of this. And I mean this from the depths of my heart. I believe in the miracle-working power of God. I believe in the miracle-working power of God. John the Baptist, we have no record of any miracle aside from two hits. He pointed people to Jesus. Said, go. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus' testimony to John the Baptist, greatest man who's ever walked the face of the earth, right? I say that to say the church sometimes is running after the wrong stuff. 
I believe these signs will follow them that believe. And they should. But they should follow. They shouldn't be in front of. Are you with me? That's important. I think that I think there's a kingdom principle in that. Transformation of ourselves. It's our sanctification. We should be dead to sin, not dead in sin. Alright? Next thought I wrote was we should be right in relationship to our doctrine, not simply doctrinally right. It's not about what you say. It's about how we live. Does that make sense? If you if you hold fast to a doctrine, then live fast to that doctrine. Because once you're living, then you can talk about it. But before you're living a living it, you should probably be a little bit more quiet about it and let, ask God to help you work that out in your life. Does that make sense? That's important. I like this because it relates back to Satan being bound for a thousand years. Wickedness bound, not bound in wickedness. I mean, is there an availability of wickedness to us today like never before? Every one of us sitting in this room are one decision away. One decision away. Not bound in wickedness. Wickedness bound. Having power over sin, not overpowered by sin. Right? Repeating the same thing. To oppose sin, not to appease it. Sometimes we just kind of poo-poo it. It's only affecting me. Who's the liar? Satan. If he's whispering in your ear, no one will know. It's only affecting you. Think about who you're listening to. That's a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. We need to oppose him. Hey, have you noticed this? This is awesome. We are Protestants. We should be protesting something. I think we protest sometimes the wrong thing. And we don't protest the things we should be. Like how about sin in our lives? We'll make a whole lot of posters about sin in somebody else's life. Are you with me? I mean, it's a real deal. And I'm, I'm not opposed because I think we need to make a stand for righteousness sake. But hey, how, how great is your power if you don't have the power to get up and turn the TV off? Well, you don't even have to get up anymore. <laughs> we live with sin, we appease it, and we protest it publicly and make a stand. We should be doing one and maybe not neglecting the other, but we definitely should be doing the one. Does that make sense? transformation of self. Hey, listen, maturity comes through obedience, not age. Right? 
maturity comes through obedience, not rules. I want you to know, I think every one of us can learn a few things from some of the young people that are on fire for God right now. say this about a church that's on fire, you won't have to talk about it. You won't have to say to your friends, man, our church is on fire. It will be obvious. Have you noticed anywhere you go, if you see a fire, there's smoke, if you see smoke, there's a fire. And everybody's like, there's a fire. (laughs) Hello. A church that's on fire will have the attention of the community. will happen, but I believe that we will be pointing people to Jesus by setting fire to things. Okay. Transformation of ourselves. Transformation of our spirituality. Can I ask a question, honestly? Let me be fair about this to the best of my ability. Anybody here tired of carnal spirituality? that really isn't spirituality that God's interested in. Self-promotion. All that kind of, I mean, it, I love that Jesus says that he and God is, he, he looks at the heart. Not whitewashed sepulcher kind of stuff. So transformation of our spirituality. Words with God. Can I suggest to you that the secret to prayer is to have prayer in secret? The secret to prayer prayer in secret. That's uh, my good friend Leonard Ravenhill quote. Um, he said this also, no man no man is greater than his prayer life. Anybody here challenged by that? Think about that for a minute. No man is greater than his prayer life. Every one of us women. None of us are better than our prayer life. None of us are greater than our prayer life. None of us are stronger than our prayer life. What's the challenge there? Pray. Pray. Commune with the Father. Have fellowship with the Father. Talk to your Father. Listen to your Father. It's communion. Listen, any relationship worth having will be based upon quality and quantity of time. There's no substitute. You, you, I, can't, I can't just pick someone and say, we're going to have a great relationship together. It doesn't work. It's based on quality and quantity. No different this way. This way? Absolutely, this way, absolutely. No substitute. You want you want to have a transformation of your spiritual life. Get alone with your father. Get alone with your father. In my personal experience, he's 
he begins to sink my ship. He begins to sink my ship. The word baptism, incidentally, is an old mariner's term. And it's regarding sinking a ship. And the ship gets sunk and is no more. And it gets filled with something other than what was previously there. Does that make sense? If we're baptized into Christ, we are sinking our ship, and what's in us is being replaced with something else. That's how it should be. And that's, man, our lives need to be filled with God and a lot less of us. John the Baptist said it that way. He said, I must what? Decrease. He must what? Increase. That's a Father's Day challenge, men and ladies and young people. More of God, more of God. Okay. So words with God, the word of God. Is the word of God a treasure to you? Are you longing to dive and dig into the word of God to find the nuggets of truth? I had a conversation with one of our young adults recently, uh, one of our interns. He, he sent me a text and he says, man, we need to talk soon. The Lord is wrecking me. <laughs> like, come on. That's the kind of text you like to get. So when I saw Josh, he said, man, I was in the scripture. And he starts reading scripture, and he's like, I mean, just transformation stuff, the word of God, the truth, the self. Have we, have we thought, oh, man, so-and-so needs to read this? <laughs> have you thought that before? Oh, Man, this really applies to me. <laughs> well, judgment starts here with me, with you. Okay. The Word of God becoming a treasure. Is it hidden in your heart? Is the Word of God guiding your thoughts, guiding your emotions? Hello. <laughs> Is it guiding our actions and our steps? Oh, that God would help us. In that regard. So transformation of our spirituality. It's words with God. It's the word of God. And I would say it's the worship of God. By way of reminder, yes and amen. Do you love Hillside's worship team? Give them a hand. They are awesome. I love that we have people on our worship team that love the Lord. They love the Lord. They worship the Lord privately personally, purposefully, and continually. We mistake sometimes worship for a 30-minute time on a Sunday morning where we stand and raise our hands. And believe me, that is corporate worship, and that is and should be exciting. I think it's exciting. I get very, very excited. I get very emotional, and I get very engaged. I just want to fix my eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, and just praise him. Hallelujah. But listen, the scripture describes worship as how we live 24-7, 365 days a year. It's our decision-making. Am 
am I deciding to please myself or am I deciding to please my Savior? Self saves itself, clearly. Saves itself. Flesh lies to me. Life after the Spirit. Life controlled by the things of the flesh. Life controlled by the Spirit. If we live and walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the things of the flesh. Challenge. So the transformation of spirituality, words with God, word of God, and worship of God. The second thing underneath our Father's days, these days that we're living in, it being about our pursuit, the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God not only in us being incarnational, but it's the life of God or the kingdom of God through us being incommissional. I think I just coined that word. In hyphen commission hyphen A-L-L. In other words, all of us involved in the commission. Not the suggestion. We don't have a great suggestion, do we? We have a great commission. Someone once said it's not the great omission. I think that's clever. And it's true. We're to be about the kingdom of God, his business. His business. His business. up our agenda because you and I will see someone today who needs to be loved that's not in your plans now think about that for a minute you will come into contact with someone who's not part of your plan for today that simply needs to be loved and God wants to mess us up. To go love them. To say, I don't know what to do. Just to love them. What does that look like? I don't know. I don't. And neither will you. If you don't, go talk to them. Go visit with them. Go ask them a question. Pull your car over. groceries, visit, ask them something. Could be a simple conversation. Say like, I'll pull, I'll pull my car over, get out of my car, come sit on the bench next to you, and just let you know that God's thinking about you, and he loves you. See what happens. What if everybody in this room did that? You think if we had church tonight, which we don't, Father's Day, we get to spend time with your family. But if we did and we all came back and shared the testimony, think about how excited we'd be. That was awesome. I wish you were here. Or maybe you'd be like, that wasn't what I expected. <laughs> they laid into me about God and blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> when I left, I simply got to pray for them. Maybe you just get their name. And you put their name on a piece of paper and put it in a Bible. And you go pray for them for Jesus' return. You may never see them again. You might see them again, and the next time you see them, hey, John, how you doing, man? I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. How are things going? Here's relationship. 
That's a fire. That's a fire. And that kind of fire spreads real fast. And when we begin to see and feel the joy that God is doing in and through us as his children, <laughs> we're like, i got to have more. And we'll go do it again and again and again. And then others will see, and they'll start to do the same thing. And it just spreads. Does that make sense? That's, that's the kingdom of God working in us. The kingdom of God is like this small seed put in the ground, and then it becomes this big tree. Because it just branches out. Well, being in commission, the transformation of others is salvation. The kingdom of God in us being incarnation, and the sanctification, this is about salvation, being a, being a part of the business of God, engaged in the commission, my part. You know, it's so awesome. Jesus gave us the parable about the banquet, and he says, go get the invited guest. And the invited guest says, we don't, I'm not coming. I got, I, I love it. I just bought me a set of oxen, and I need to go try them out. That'd be like someone saying, I just got myself this sweet new motorcycle, and I need to go for a ride. Or I just got this really hot car, and I need to cruise to the beach. I need, I bought a convertible, and I need to put the top down because the sun's out today in Oregon, and it's a good thing. And so they're like, no, we're not coming. And he says, go to the highways and the hedges and invite us. The lame, the maimed, the blind, and the sick. And they're like, we've done that. And he says, get out there and invite them all. And he says, bad and good. Bad and good. <laughs> How cool. In our walls, in this thing we call a building, when we have a bunch of bad dudes and bad gals, but Jesus is just rocking their shits. Right? We, one of the scriptures that we read this last week on the 14th in Proverbs chapter 14, where there are no ox, the stalls are clean. You put a bunch of ox in there, man, it's going to stink, it's going to be dirty, it's going to be a mess, but it's going to be alive. That's the church. That's the church. A bunch of messed up. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess up. Yeah, we are. Some of you are like, um, I have to go home with my wife. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's not forget the Great Commission is always in light of the Great Commandment. They're inseparable. We love people. We love people. We meet people's needs. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the kingdom of God. And we meet people's needs without expectation. It's agape love. You're not looking for a thank you. You're not looking for a response. You're not. In fact, Jesus told us in another another time. He says, "Hey, when you invite someone over to your house, don't invite somebody to your house to dinner who can invite you back and repay you for din with dinner at their house." Invite someone who cannot do that. That'll change you. That'll change you. That'll change your definition of hospitality. Right? That's good stuff. Okay. What time is it? Oh, my time's up. Father's Day. I'm a father. <laughs> I'm taking liberty. I got one more thought. And this is the caution. That was the challenge to be more about the kingdom of God. Everybody got that? So dads specifically, and then every other person in the room. All of those things working in us, 
the transformation of ourself, the transformation of our spirituality, and really the kingdom of God through us being commissional and the first three weeks in that. Okay, so this third point, or this third vantage point, if you will, are worldly fathers' gaze, G-A-Z-E. This is the caution. And I, and I say this, and I recognize that everybody here desires desires the kingdom of God, desires to be in relationship with the Lord, or you wouldn't be in church. I mean, that's I mean, you're making steps, and that's beautiful. But be be heads up, and be caution. There's there's stuff out there that is trying to distract us. Anybody here discover that there's distractions in the world? World. There's distractions. To be dazed is to be like hit upside the head, like a boxer who takes that left hook, comes in from the side, catches him when his hands are down, hits him in the jaw, and he's now dazed. Things just got foggy. No more clarity. I'm a little confused. Things are spinning around in my brain. Make sense? That picture, worldliness, will put us into a daze. It's like a one-two punch. subpoint, stunned and stupefied by Satan's work. Satan is beating against you and me. And he is trying to stupefy us, dumb us, numb us, confuse us. And he will hit you. He'll hit you with an uppercut. He'll hit you where you're not expected. He'll even give you a low blow because he doesn't care. When the ref's not watching, he'll try and tag you, and he is relentless. He doesn't stop hitting. You're in the corner, and he is just pounding. Bam, bam. You're like, oh, I can't take it. You got guys in the corner saying, protect yourself. And he just keeps pounding. He'd like to beat you in the eye so your eye swells up and is closed to blind you. He's the blinder of the eyes, and that's what he does. And he cons us. He's, he's a con. He's telling you how good it is when it isn't good. He's just selling you a bill. I've got some property in Florida. And it's just a swamp land. It's good for nothing. Good for nothing. We're also allured and appeased by the world's bewildering. So we've got Satan's woes, we've got the world's bewildering. And the bewildering of the world is the world is just trying to get us in a swirl, trying to get us in a place where our eyes are captivated, we're drawn to something, and it just simply confuses us. It just brings confusion. Be alert to this stuff. Be alert. Be sober-minded. sin. Remember, our soul is crafty, and he uses the world and his craftiness to draw us in. Relationship stuff, right? Young people, you know what I'm talking about. Relationship stuff. We had a beautiful wedding yesterday. I mentioned already, Owings, it was a beautiful wedding. 
use the phrase, and I said it this way, do you, David, take Samantha to be your lawfully wedded wife? Lawful. Not lawful with the state of origin. That's important, perhaps. And I say that, perhaps. But lawful in the eyes of God. What becomes lawful? The two shall become one flesh. Sexual relationship is only lawful in a marriage. It's the only time it's good. It's the only time it's right. Does that make sense? There's an allure out there today to somehow engage in that before it's lawful. It's a real deal. I'm tempted to tell you centuries in Europe and then early America when a person is caught in the act of fornication any physicality any physicality without a marriage license and marriage possible fornication or adultery lasciviousness they will strip naked put in the stocks in the middle of the in the middle of the forest and the townspeople would come and they would pelt them with their rotten vegetables. And they were known as harlots. They were known as all kinds of horrible names. The idea there is uh, there's a lawfulness. And so don't, don't get allured by what's happening in this world. There's an allure. It's, a, it's, it's numbing and dumbing. And we ought not be engaged in that kind of stuff. Finally, don't be enamored or enthroned by false begotten, your flesh. Here's the three. Here's the three we're battling against: Satan, the world, and flesh. Enamored is like to be unduly in love with. <laughs> enamored with self. Do we live in a culture that is enamored with self, or what? I mean, it is so self-consuming. Unbelievable. It's a real deal, and we get duped in. So we need to stop fixing our eyes on ourselves. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we spent the same amount of time in prayer and study of the Word of God as we do on just ourselves, getting ready in the morning, clothing, our hair, whatever, our personal hygiene. It's it, it just commensurate with us. We'd be world changers. Say, wow, PD, you're kind of getting out. You're getting down. That's, I think it's just real. You know, I said to my wife, I, I was reading, and you'll have to forgive, I did a little bit of reading. I do, very occasionally I read from other readers or other writers other than the scripture that I study, but 
I, uh, I was reading an old-time preacher this past week, and, uh, you know, and he, he kind of wrecked me a little bit. He said these things. If Jesus would have preached the messages in his day that are being preached from the pulpits of today, would he have ever been crucified? sitting right here and saying, yeah, that's me too. That's me too. And on this Father's Day, there's nothing greater that God can do in our hearts and in our lives than to just reveal a little bit more of the train wreck that needs to happen in us so that we can be a little bit more like Jesus. Does that make sense? And that we can be more about our Father's business, that we would be more suited to be out loving people, because I would be in a position to understand his love in a greater measure so that I could give his love in a greater measure. I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm not... I hope that's not too aggressive. Okay. So, our Father's Day, exegetically and uh, hermeneutically, we have that text. Satan's going to be bound, and there's a day where we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. That's forthcoming. Uh, Then we have... Our Father's Day is the days that we're living in right now. It, we should be about the kingdom of God. It's our pursuit. It should be our pursuit. If it's not, God help us to get on his page. And then finally, our worldly Father's Day is just a precaution, and it's our problem, or what our problem is, if you will. Well, I invite you to stand with me this morning. Uh, and as you stand, I just want you to know, what we put in is generally what we get out. Does that make sense? They used to say back in the day when computers were first being developed, garbage in, garbage out, right? Okay, so what you put in is what you're going to get out. Now, we have cupcakes for the dads. I think we have enough maybe for some others as well. I discovered a little thing about cupcakes and baking cupcakes because I talked to Angelica, and she told me a little bit about cupcakes. And there's an importance of when you put the ingredients in, the speeds with which you mix, and a whole host of other things happening. Like if you're supposed to cook a, did you know that if you're supposed to cook a cupcake at like 325 degrees for 15 minutes, you, you shouldn't do 700 for 7 minutes. It won't come out the same. <laughs> there's no shortcut. And that as well. Let's work, let's let God work in us those things that He's working in, in their timing of all of that. Because if we do and we allow God to do it in our lives, what comes out will be beautiful. Here's the thing if we try and be the person to be putting the ingredients in another person's life forcefully, and we don't let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, we decide that we want to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. Now, I think it's always good to be encouraging people and spreading the good news and inviting people to engage in the cooperation with what God the Spirit is speaking to them, what the Word of God says. But when we start being forceful and telling people what the rules are and rules aren't, we're going to end up with cupcakes that are all a mess. Does that make sense? So we let God be God, but we encourage people to be directed to God and listen to God and come under His authority in their life. Well, I'll tell you, some beautiful cupcakes can come out of that. 
So I'm just simply going to say this to all you pastors today. Uh, immediately following service, there's some cupcakes. Come and grab a cupcake, and uh, there's probably one that you can take to your suite. Let's make sure that uh, all, the, all the dads get cupcakes first, and then if there's some leftover, you can stick around and grab one for your bride as well, because she might want one of those as well. But the Lord's speaking to you. Listen. But don't just be a listener, a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Does that make sense? Let's get that incarnation thing working in us, and let's get that in commission thing working in us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that your word is transforming our lives. And, Lord, even if there's stuff that kind of hurts, it's good because, Lord, you want to do a work in us. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you. We ask, God, that you would bless every man and every, every dad in the room. We pray really for all of us today, God. It's, it's the body of Christ. We're a big family. We're praying, God, for that work in us, the work in us. Lord, we might be more fit to love others who are outside these walls and love one another with inside of these walls, God. So, Lord, be glorified. We bless your name, and we ask your blessing on this day and the remainder of this coming week. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said a strong amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Remember, dads, come and get a cupcake and have an amazing afternoon with family. God bless.